0: Picture this. You just started a new job and you're introducing yourself to everyone. And someone says, hi, my name is Jack. Please call me she, her. You're a Christian and you were raised in a pretty conservative household and you're not sure what to do. What goes through your mind? What are you thinking? What do you do? Hey, welcome back to the Meme Lord Monday podcast. I'm your host, Matt Matias. Here we interview Christian creators and help you find the meme in everyday life. Today, we're going to be listening to a special interview that I had on Instagram on our page, Memes for Jesus, where I interviewed my friend Michael from the page Honest Youth Pastor about the topic of pronouns and how Christians can interact with that topic. My friend Mike and I, we're good friends and we agree on a lot, but we also disagree on certain things. And here we kind of have a candid conversation about how we as Christians can address pronouns with people who are requesting that we use them. So before we get started, I just want to let you know that this month I'm going to be releasing podcast episodes every week concerning the LGBTQ community. I'm going to be doing this in light of and not in spite of June being recognized, at least here in America, as Pride Month. The purpose of me doing this is not to necessarily celebrate Pride Month. But to start a conversation amongst Christians who are unaffirming on how we can better respect and tactfully love those who are in the LGBTQ community. Most of you who've been following our podcast and our Christian meme page know that we affirm the traditional view of marriage and gender and would classify ourselves as unaffirming, meaning that we do not feel that the homosexual lifestyle is consistent with Christianity. However, we love and care for our LGBTQ friends. We want to make them laugh and learn about Christianity, just like the rest of our other followers. So with that out the way, I just want to warn you ahead of time. This is a bit of an intense conversation that I have with a friend. And I feel that this is an in-house conversation where we are discussing how to tactfully engage with someone in the LGBTQ community so that we can best witness to them and best show the love of Christ to them. So there's going to be a lot of emotionally charged language in here that might be triggering for some. So if this is a topic that triggers you or makes you uncomfortable, brings out uncomfortable feelings, just want to warn you ahead of time. But I feel like many expressed that were watching this on the live stream on Instagram. They shared a lot of thanks and a lot of encouraging words saying, I needed this. This is something that I've been looking for in my conversations with my friends who are gay or lesbian or have come out of the closet recently. So that's what I want to do this month. I want to focus on helping those of you who are unaffirming like me to speak with those that you might be uncomfortable speaking to, to show them that you do love them and still not compromise and capitulate on your own views. And I understand that there's certain boundaries that cert- that people are not willing to give up when it comes to this discussion. And that's where me and Michael had this conversation. So I wanted to give you that kind of preparation before we get into it so that you know what to expect. Okay, a little bit of backstory. Before I even reached out to Michael to start this conversation, he had posted something like this on Twitter. Pastors should not share Pronouns in their bio. I think that's what it was. Could you maybe summarize that?
1: Yeah, no. The exact tweet that I, I put out okay. said that uh, if you are a pastor that has pronouns in your bio, you need to repent because you've bowed the knee to a pagan religion. That was the exact quote.
0: Yeah. Okay. So my initial reaction to that was, huh? <laughs> that was it, and I didn't like. I I had feelings about it, but I wasn't sure what those feelings were. What's the origin of the of the tweet? If you could be so kind.
1: So, against my better judgment, I'm on Twitter a lot more than I used to be. Um, So, as I'm over there, that's a whole different world than Instagram, like an entirely different world than Instagram. And there's a lot of people over there, like an absolute ton that I run across. There are people like, quote, tweeting them or just in the responses. And a lot of these, a lot, like a ton of these pastors have their pronouns in their bio. And the more I've talked to people, that are, that are in that community and why that's an important thing for them. Everyone I've talked to, with the exception of a handful, say that the whole reason of putting pronouns in bio is to be supportive or affirming of that. And so for me as a pastor, if you're saying, hey, okay, I want to put these in here to be affirming and supportive of that. For me, that's A bit different than, say, somebody in my congregation doing it, right? So I got a lot of uh, replies. I was like, well, technically, Christians shouldn't do that. But the whole point was that pastors, and we have plenty of scripture that backs up, that a pastor is a shepherd. A pastor should be somebody that his congregation can look up to. A pastor is supposed to be that person that says, hey, I don't know how I'm doing Christianity. I'm going to look toward him because he's going to kind of demonstrate that for me. You know, Paul's whole imitate me as I imitate Christ thing. Um, he's the shepherd of the congregation. I mean, the whole point is that if I'm in that congregation and I am following my pastor online and that dude's got pronouns in his bio, if I don't know if I'm a younger believer or if I'm not really in the word a lot, what that's telling me mentally is like, oh, so like are we on like we're on board with that? Like what what does that mean then? Even if he's got really good intentions. Like I, I understand the idea of like having good intentions in regard to that, but um I that's why it was so strongly worded because i think at that point ah, i think you're like drawing the line and you're being like no i'm over here and i'm like ah, i think there's a lot of scripture demonstrating a couple things that maybe you as the pastor should look into a little bit um as far as primarily you're the leader of your congregation your flock and what you're doing here is setting an example and demonstration to them and it's not a good in my opinion so
0: okay so with that being said I wanted to, and, and this is my fault too, it wasn't necessarily clear with Michael that I wanted to talk about the general broad subject of whether or not Christians should use uh, or respect pronouns. And uh, I think he agreed to, to to kind of switch the goalposts kind of reluctantly. <laughs> so that was my bad. Um, well, I was just like, bro, like, the tweet wasn't about that, but we can talk about it. So cool, yeah. <laughs> I, I think, well, because I think, as you've mentioned, there's a presupposition there that you know, past like you've been saying, pastors should look into it and, and should see what the scripture has to say about pronouns and how us as Christians should interact with that. So I think it's it's it'll be a good discussion for us to kind of because I think we agree a lot. Um my position
1: No, anytime I talk to you, like I don't know if we do. Like I feel like it's no, we, always like
0: a We do. We do, as far as the foundational principles that I I'm conservative and I believe in a traditional marriage. I believe that sexual activity should be done between a man and a woman within the covenant of marriage between a man and a woman, and and that's so I affirm that, and I believe that anything outside of that, whether it be heterosexual, homosexual, or what have you, would be considered sin, uh, and I think I don't think is compatible with the Christian lifestyle. So I think we agree, you know, there, and I definitely agree that pastors affirming. A, a a gender a, like a gender study style of theology is concerning. I agree with you there. So, as far as how we should use them when we talk to people, I, I think that we can have a conversation here. So, say somebody walks up to you and they appear to be female, um, and you and you refer to her as her, and she says, "I would appreciate if you'd refer to me as he or they." Um, like, how? what is your response and where do, you, where do you feel like we go from there? The internet is more accessible than it's ever been. And with that has come an absolute pandemic of people addicted to pornography. This addiction statistically is affecting Christians and non-Christians alike. It's a problem. Porn is a human problem, but Covenant Eyes provides a human solution. Covenant Eyes helps you and the ones you love live porn-free through transformative accountability relationships. With Covenant Eyes, you choose someone that you know and trust to walk with you as your ally and to hold you accountable for your online behavior. Me and my friends use it, and I've seen it firsthand break the bonds of addiction in people's lives. This stuff works. So basically what you do is you download the Covenant Eyes app. It tracks the activity on your devices. And your friend who's your ally gets a victory app which shares your activity feed right to their phone. You and your ally will be able to celebrate victories together and have honest and caring conversations about your successes, setbacks, and triggers. Nothing works better than this. If you struggle with pornography addiction online and you're ready to see some victory in your life, download Covenant Eyes and use promo code MONDAY for 30 days free. Try it out. I've gotten so many success stories from this app and that's why I'm so happy that they've chosen to sponsor Meme Lord Monday. Again, that's Covenant Eyes. Use the link in the show notes of this episode and use promo code MONDAY for 30 days free. Victory over addiction has never been easier.
1: So, not a hypothetical. has happened a couple of times. Um, What I always do at that point is just ask, okay, well, what's your name? Okay. Cause my thing is this. Some things are not preventable. Okay. There's going to be people you make mad no matter what you do. Um, uh, but my go-to in that is like, all right. Well, I don't want to unnecessarily offend you. We have scripture on that. Like we're not supposed to be just deliberately offensive, but I, I also, without saying it to them, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go against my convictions of what I believe to be true. Um, in regards to you're a male, not a female. Or vice versa, whichever way you're going with that. But what's your name? What do you, what what do people call you? What's your name tag say? Because that's almost everybody I'm interacting with at my job. It's gonna be name tag base and all that. So what's your name? What what's on your I'm gonna call you that is what I'm gonna do. Um and at that point, I kind of just circumvent the whole pronoun thing because it's it's an unnecessary unnecessary hurdle. Really? I mean, if you are going to be, and here's the conversation I have had with a few people, like deliberately to make things difficult, that's where you're drawing that line. Because you're not caring if I actually care about you, if I actually want to have a relationship with you, if I actually, that's not what you're, you're, you're putting like an unnecessary weight on this one thing. Um, but so what's your name? That the short, short answer is that what's your name? What's your name? What do you get called? I'm just eliminating the whole pronoun thing. Cause if that's your, the horse you're going to ride in on, like you're already going to be mad at me no matter what I do, but what's your name? That's where I go.
0: So, okay. So I I think we do differ here. <laughs> this is where we would differ. So for those of you listening here, I'm going to share my opinion and I'm willing to admit if I'm wrong about this, but this is my opinion and feel free to disagree with it. I feel that um, I wouldn't have a problem referring to somebody by their pronoun. Like if somebody says, you know, please call me she. I I feel like the initial meeting of that person, I would be hospitable to that person. Because I think calling somebody upon their initial meeting of them, uh, what they've requested you to call them, I think is simple manners. I think it's simple hospitality. Um, and then once you develop a relationship or, you know, you get to know them, I think you can have that conversation later and say, "Hey, I am a Christian, and just so you know, this is something that I feel that I would be lying." And I think that's where guys like John MacArthur and Piper—they'd be like, "You know, well, I'm lying, so I can't do that. I can't." I think a lot of people do talk like that because of. And we'll circle back to your tweet. There is a culture now that we're in that that says my pronoun when they when they talk to people because it's like almost like business etiquette almost nowadays and some businesses require yeah. pronouns and i've i have interacted with people that say hi you know I, I when i shake their hand they're like they'll say samantha he you know they'll say it as they're introducing themselves and, and- so <laughs> you know they're not forcing it they're i mean in a sense they're they're planning their their flag saying this is who i am and they're giving you the opportunity to not offend them And yes, I know what you're saying, that if somebody is presenting themselves in that way, they are posturing themselves to say, you know, in in a way that to be offended. But where my view also comes from, I have to understand, I've been a social worker for almost a decade and I've dealt with people who have trauma and have grown up with trauma. And and I I I feel that psychologically speaking, there are certain words that you can say to someone when they come from a history of being mistreated or feeling a certain way and not being able to express themselves well so when the, if somebody were to approach me in this way and like I said they have I think it would be a hugest respect uh, automatically for me to say well I don't I don't agree with your he you know he him this I I think you're a woman and that's what how I'm going to approach you. you know what I mean I think yeah but the, you're uh, assuming that someone's postures, going into the
1: conversation saying that I don't I'm not going to listen to that like they're butting in I'm simply saying I'm sa- I'm letting them say their piece and then I'm just going to call them by their name. That's that's my point. Like the yeah. assumption that somebody butts sure. in right away and says no I'm disrespecting you. It's just okay if your name's whatever that's what I'm going to call you. To.
0: Sure. And I think you know emotions can definitely run high with this because as Christians we don't agree with it. Like I said we we both you and I both agree uh that tr- the traditional reading of scripture is that we should identify as our biological sex. And so it goes against, I believe, and you believe, our, our convictions to interact with somebody in that way. Um, but I think being hospitable to that person, because like I said, I think people can be forceful in the LGBTQ community because it means a lot to them. It's been something like, for instance, you have people who've grown up in the church and have heard people talk poorly about the LGBTQ community. And when they're eighteen, they leave and they go do the thing. They transition, what have you, and so they're very proud of this identity because they've—it's something that they've—they really identify as. They truly do. So, I think yes, you can also. I think that's a good tactic to address them by their name. But if you have those people that might be a bit more confident, be like, "Hey, are you are you going to call me?" He, him, you know what I'm saying? I think there are people that would press that with the reason that they come from a traumatic background.
1: Yeah, that's where we would like, disagree because if you're going to press
0: it with me, I'm going to press right back. Even if you know that person comes from a background of trauma, and you and you are dealing with somebody, okay, if I know somebody no. really well, the assumption is we've already
1: probably worked through this and had the conversation. If I know them, am I supposed to assume everyone that I meet that has that fits their pronouns has traumatic background? Now again, we're addressing it in a really calm way, but if yeah. you're going to be so forward with me to because again, this is the whole conversation I've had with people before that Christians press their beliefs on people, which again, I, there are people that do that. But, but my pushback always is like, look, if you, if you want to push on it, fine, but don't expect me not to like just to take it and not push back a little bit on you. And I get that there's going to be stuff there and we can talk right. through that. And the idea is that I'm not going to judge you on our first meeting and hopefully you're not judging me on our first meeting. Because it's so, a two-way me, street here. This is not a one-way just, uh
0: So I, I am still, just so you know, I am still referring to an initial ira- in, a interaction. This is still initial interaction, not somebody that you've known for a while. Because like I said, this is, this would be initial. Initially, this is what I would do as well. Once you've developed a relationship, I think I would start, you know, letting that person know, in order for me to respect my own you know, convictions, I, I need to let you know that this is something... I'm gonna to refer to you by your name. And that's where you and I would agree. I'm still using this scenario. Somebody says, I am he, him, but they they obviously they are presenting as a female, and you say, and you're referring to them as their name, and they say, Are you avoiding calling me he him? And you know what I'm saying? Are you saying that you would push back? Is that if, what No, saying? I'm saying if
1: I if if that conversation and that's how you're kind of, are you avoiding calling me him? That's at that point, that's where we go, Yeah, I am.
0: So if you've listened this far you know that we can take this conversation a thousand different ways. But I think Michael and I did a really good job of keeping the conversation focused on how we can best interact with someone who's asking us to use their preferred pronouns when we first meet them on that initial meeting. How can we interact with that person while still maintaining a traditional Christian worldview? And we both have differing perspectives, but there's a good conversation here.
1: And what I'm going to do because we clearly disagree. I mean, again, if we're just meeting, I'm going to go look, no disrespect to you, but we do have a different worldview. So, so that there isn't conflict or more conflict than needs be, I am just going to refer to you as your name out of respect to you. Now in, in the same regard, I mean, again, this conversation should go a thousand different ways, depending on how much pushback each person is giving, assuming that this yeah. is a respectful conversation. That's, that's where we're going to go. I'm going to go. Yeah, I'm, I'm not comfortable calling you that, but I do want to be respectful and call you whatever, whatever you want to refer to as far as your name. And that's, that's what we're going to go. Now, if you want to know why, if you want to have a a longer discussion on this, we can do that and it can be super respectful. I think the assumption is right away that there's conflict in this, which isn't, it's not necessary to have conflict in it. What I've had, and again, it, it all depends on those two people in that conversation. Now, yeah. what Christians, as we should do, again, right? There's plenty of scriptures that we have that shows that we shouldn't be unnecessarily offensive. So I'm not coming right. in to be like, "You're no, you're lying to yourself." Like you're not coming in, life, but you're also saying, like, "I am trying not to offend you," but I'm also telling you, this is kind of where my line is. And if you want to respect that, you can. I'm trying to respect you in as far as I can with my conscience. And if you if you don't like that, I can't do a lot about it. But just so you know, you have a line in the sand and I do too. And we're going to, I would love to try to work this out as much as possible, but just know that's where we're at. And I think the conversation could be had with a lot of grace and a lot of like, without tensions having to rise. I just think oftentimes, again, depending on the people's background, on either side of it. Tensions can escalate because people aren't exercising self-control and they're not operating within grace and mercy. So it doesn't have to be nuts and crazy. But I think there is a point where as believers, we have to say like, look, I want to be as respectful as possible to you because I do respect you. But there is a line for me here, just like there's a line for you. And we need to figure out how we're going to work with that then.
0: Yeah, so I think we'll go back to where we differ. I feel that we could avoid more hostility if we as Christians were more flexible and catering and you know hospitable to calling people by their pronouns because it's it would be like I I don't feel it's as it's something that is as deep seated as some people do. I feel like part of us being Christians is discipleship and and not necessarily planting our flag so that we try and convert other people to our position. And I think discipleship is deeply rooted in relationship. And if I want to establish a relationship with this person, I think the most respectful thing I can do is call them what they're asking. Like, Matt is not my first name and you call me Matt. I've asked you to call me Matt. And that's, I know it's, it's, it's kind of like an equivocation there because we're talking about gender studies. But in, I, I, don't, I think I can think about it in the same regard where if somebody's requesting that I, I call them a certain name, I can show them that hospitality. Because I think in scripture, Paul says, you know, that we can become all things to all men. And I think that we don't want to be offensive for the gospel. This is a question I'll pose to you. Do you feel calling somebody by their pronoun, requested pronoun, is is sinful for you? Like, why would you avoid calling them that?
1: No, I'm not saying it's sinful. I'm saying okay. that... that In that regard, you're asking, or not you, but that person, whether they realize it or not, is asking me to give up ground I'm not willing to give up ground on, just like I'm, in some regard, asking them to give up ground that they're not willing to give up, which is where those lines come back before that I talked about. Everyone has a line in the sand where they go, I don't really, I don't, I'm not gonna go past that. And really these conversations between believers and unbelievers is that conversation of like, where, how far do you want to go here before it's obviously against what you feel is right or wrong? And these are conversations that people have every single day. So no, it's not sinful. But at the same time, there's a conscious aspect here where I go, I'm not going to equivocate to something here that, that again, I, I want to be as respectful as I can to you. But if the line for respect is like your pronouns, like that's the hill you're dying on. And not how I treat you and not how I love you as a person, right? That's where I'm like, okay, you're, that's why at the beginning of this conversation, I said, if you're riding in on that horse, you're already almost saying like, this is the hill I'm dying on. That, that's why I'm not willing to give up that ground. It's the exact opposite of, of the Christian saying, well, unless you convert, we can't be friends, right? Or unless you, you come to church, this or that, you know, I, I, I can't hang out with you. It, it's, it's a very similar equivocation where you're playing a flag in a really unnecessary area. Now, I know for that person, just like that Christian, it doesn't feel unnecessary for them. I get that because it's just those lines in the sand where I'm saying, I'm not willing to go there, but I don't, I don't expect you to come all the way over here either because of your convictions and your conscience. So assuming that I have to come over there, when you're ignoring that you have the exact same bias, I think it's just dishonest on both ends.
0: So you feel like it would be dishonest to refer to somebody by the requested po- pronoun? Cause you said it's not, you don't feel like it's a sinful thing.
1: I'm saying that it is a really weird hill for somebody to plant their flag on. Just like it'd be a really weird hill for somebody to, like to have to not curse around me because I'm a Christian, right? That same sort of thing where, I mean, it's not, it's not apples oranges, but it's similar. Where I'm not going to be friends with you if you curse around me, um, or mm-hmm. if you do certain this or that, or if you say those sort of whatever. The idea is that it's not a sinful thing, but I'm also saying this is a conscious thing. Where I'm saying, like, I'm just I'm not going to go that far because I don't think that's where the flag should be placed in the first place. Now I know for them, they definitely think that's where the flag needs to be.
0: So I'll go back to like I said, I've worked in social work. Uh, most people that struggle with gender uh, dysphoria do have traumatic backgrounds due to that dysphoria. So it is extremely important to them. And not that they would be forceful, as I've mentioned before, like some people might be, but I, I I don't think you understand the weight that people carry with that identity that they have with them. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think that when you purposefully... Don't call them by that pronoun initially. I think it can also communicate a a disregard for for who they've identified as. I think if if you, because essentially you're saying, well, they're planting their flag there. So you're not willing to cater to how they're planting their flag, even though they're not causing you to sin. So that's what I'm curious about, because I think you could be actually more compassionate by calling them what they're asking to be called and recognizing that it is something that is extremely important to them and is not sinful for you. Does that make sense? Yeah,
1: yeah, it makes sense. Here's my thing. For them it's an incredibly important thing, but there's lots of people that hold really incredibly important things and they ignore everything else the person does for them or uh, caters to for them or loves them through because of this one thing, right? There are students I've worked with that have completely ignored everything. Their parents have sacrificed for them, done for them, just literally got ran over by buses for them on because they didn't support them in this or that thing, either be an activity or uh, a dream they had. And it's, again, not apples for apples, but similar in the sense that you're taking this one thing and ignoring the fact that this person is actually loving you, right? So for example, I, I have somebody I know that wouldn't use someone's pronouns, but was, was very open with this individual that, look, if you need a ride to the hospital, I got you. If I, you need a ride to the grocery, I got you. In fact, took them two hours away to go pick up their broken down car to get, and the whole idea was that I'm loving on this person. I'm just not willing to go this far. And that, that really got me thinking like, wow, okay, so this is a Christian actually stepping out and saying, look, I'm going to love you like Jesus, but like, I'm not going to, play into this idea that you have of yourself that is false. Now, they never worded it that way, but that's where it was coming from. It was just like, I want to love you. I want to love you like Jesus, but I'm not going to pretend like this is God's best for you. This is not what God has made you to be. This is a distortion of reality. Like Again, none of these things were said in that manner, but that's the framework that was working. I'm going to love you in every way I possibly can, and then let that speak for itself. And if that's not good enough, if you have to overlook all of that because of this one thing, okay, but I've done all that I can do for you in regards to showing you the love of Christ as far as my conscience allows me to go, because I'm not going to come alongside and say, This is a good thing for
0: you. So I just want to put a warning here that some of the subject material that I'm going to be covering next in the conversation is a bit intense due to the sensitive nature of this topic and how it applies to the LGBTQ community on the topic of suicide and how we can take that information and best grapple with it as Christians. What if I told you it's also not helpful to not refer to them as their pronouns because psychologically speaking it could cause them to be triggered and actually commit suicide. Um, like how would you grapple with with the knowledge of that?
1: Okay, so one, not that that's not a reality. It is as far as, far as suicide yeah. goes. But there's a lot more that plays into that. There's so many statistics out there as far as suicide and, trans, and, and that whole, that whole, all of what that is. Um, but at the same time, that's not the only thing that's going to do that um but even in that regard it's one of those things that if i'm building a relationship again I'm, ju- I'm using the one example that i know like really well that one example was if you needed to go to the hospital in fact this individual did take this individual to the hospital because they were having a mental breakdown so it was the relationship was already close enough in that regard that they were there to assist them in that moment that they needed yeah. a ride to the hospital so the idea, at least in this example, is that like I'm close enough to you that you know I'm a person you can call
0: right, and I think we both agree there because like I, I'm still trying to keep this within more of like an initial meeting of someone where, like I've mentioned, guys like MacArthur and Piper won't even cater to you know calling somebody by their pronouns because they would say that it's it's lying and and I guess that's where I was trying to keep the the conversation focused, so just for the sake of time. What I would like to do just moving forward, for those of you watching, if you want to ask some questions and then Michael and I will answer them to the best of our ability with the remaining time. And if you think of anything, Michael, that you want to ask me or just push back on me, you know, please feel free, but I'll go ahead and open it up. Actually, somebody said, wasn't the original question whether or not pastors should do this. So I know you spoke on it a little bit about how pastors, so I'll, I'll speak a bit since you've already clarified your position. I don't think pastors. Should be putting them in their instagram bios because i here's where here's where I say it, I agree with you because I do feel like it's it's kind of saying, hey, even though I don't agree with you, I agree with you which i which I feel is an equivocation and I mean and that maybe that's for the pastor that that does believe that but if there are pastors that do believe in in gender science and they believe that You know there are different uh, genders that we can identify as while having a biological different biological sex. Then that's a different argument. Pastors, I think, if they are conservative pastors, then I don't think they should necessarily do that. For because I think it's cringy. First of all, I think it's just kind of cringy. It's like, okay, what are you trying? Are you just trying to virtue signal, or are you trying to actually affirm what they believe? So, that, I mean, that's kind of where I believe. And I, I think as if you are a conservative pastor who believes in traditional marriage and things like that, I, I feel it's unnecessary. I don't know if that answers the question. What, do you, what are your thoughts, Michael?
1: Well, I mean, as far as the, the original tweet, I'd say 90%, 95% of the people that have it in there are affirming probably anyway. But yeah. there are going to be pastors that maybe just haven't looked into it and just don't know. And they're trying to love their neighbor, but they just don't know that in doing so, they're inadvertently affirming something they likely don't believe.
0: Yeah. So I guess where I'm at and and what I kind of wanted the takeaway for this to be was we as Christians really need to analyze how we interact with the LGBTQ community because of how we've historically treated them. And this is something that I'm still not affirming uh, by any means, but I believe that a lot more grace should be extended to this community than what already has been. And I think do you know affirming somebody's requested pronoun is one way to do that. It that you're not sinning, and you're not necessarily affirming their lifestyle. Because I think you know, especially in, upon initial meeting, you can show them that grace. And then, like you, like you and I both have already agreed. Once you've developed that relationship, then you can ta- have that conversation. Like, hey, just so you know, this is my belief. I don't want to dehumanize you as a person. I love you as a person and I'm willing to die for you I'm willing to do whatever i you know if you need groceries if you need to get taken to the hospital like you said you got it I got you i'm I'm your man but when it comes to this issue, this is where how I feel about it and I feel like I, I like what you said I think that there, there's something that's better for you I think there's the, there's a best for you, but you can't talk to somebody like that that you've just met that's something that you have to you have to develop a relationship, and I think the the initial the whole initial contact thing is where we've created this 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 real frustration and and conflict and tension between evangelical Christians and the lgBTq community because we've disrespected them and unnecessarily really so yeah that's those are my thoughts. what do you think?
1: well again, I think there is a way. This is probably going to depend, honestly, this is going to depend a great deal about where you you live, probably. So Hmm. for example, you go an hour north of where I'm at, it's a totally different culture than going an hour south of where I'm at, as far as this whole conversation. So whenever that happens, because of how my my actual, my money-paying, bill-paying job goes, where I go... Those interactions are different in regards to conversations that happen. I think there's some people, depending on how the conversation goes the first time that you, can, I, I, I've not even purposefully had people like just open the door right away on the first conversation where I am able to talk about the fact that God does have something better for you. Uh, it doesn't happen a lot, but it does happen. But there are, I think one of the things that I think we as Christians never do is really pursue developing those relationships to a point where we can talk to them about it. People, whenever I start asking people about what their belief system is at work, or in the people that I'm actually out in, in my job of delivery, you'd be shocked at how many people are like, no one's ever talked to me about this, ever, about my religious beliefs. Um, and I just think we, we could do a lot better job of that. Instead of, hey, how was the game, what's the weather? Like, you know, look for those moments where you can interject this. And say, I mean, just just hey, what is your belief about God? what's your belief about Jesus? What's your belief about this or that? E- either this situation or not? I-, I would agree with you that in the past, the church is a crummy job at interacting with the LGbtq plus community. I don't think anybody questions that, but I think what we could do better is you know being merciful and graceful as Jesus is to us, but at the same time not backing away from the truth. Of how God's created people, and there, I understand that people get really contentious in this. But what I found is in these conversations that I've had, if you don't raise the bar when they raise the bar, they'll come back down. People will get very in your face about it. But if you go, look, I, I'm not. I'm just saying this is my belief. You don't have to agree with me, but I do want to push back a bit on what you're saying to kind of figure out why you're saying it. And I think there there are ways that we as Christians, I've had to learn this immensely over the last 15 years, how to have a conversation with grace and mercy while still pushing a little bit. And it's it is entirely possible to do, but we need to learn how to do it better. Because what we do a lot of times, and this is where I would contend that the whole pronoun thing, I think we give ground all the time where ground doesn't need to be given. And we can still be graceful and merciful there. And again, it's going to depend person to person situation, fill it out, learn how to read the room. I mean, obviously, you're not going to interact with every single person the exact same way. Nobody does that. Well, you shouldn't do that. But you should be able to know when to push a little bit and when to show a little bit of grace and mercy. And it's totally possible to do those in the same conversation. I hate it when the assumption is that, well, I can't push because it's going to be disrespectful. That's just simply not true. I can be merciful and graceful while still pushing a little bit.
0: Yeah, I think I think that that definitely requires tact and sensitivity and you know self-awareness when especially especially when dealing with this this people group because like I said there's so much trauma that we as Christians have already inflicted on this people group. So if there's a way that we can show extra grace and mercy without without being sinful, I don't see why we shouldn't. I do have a question though. Somebody did ask a question for you, and then you can get back to what your thought is right here. Uh, so, somebody said earlier you mentioned you would only say their name. What if they're female and then they've come up with a more masculine name during their transition, like Jake or something like that? Would you still call them that?
1: Well, look, I don't know what their name was before. If I'm just meeting them, I have no clue what you were. I don't have a clue what. I don't know if your name was Skippy or Bob or to- Tomato. I don't know. That's so I'm going to call you. I'm going to call you. Whatever you tell me to call you, I'm not going to make up a name just to just to be disrespectful to you. I'm going to call you whatever you want me to call you. Um, that's not the point. Like I said, the point is like you, that's that's where you go to the point where like I'm going to respect you in so far as I can, in which my conscience allows me to do so. Now, again, that that gives that gives me as a Christian two things. Like, if if you're obviously, if you are a female and you're you're telling me a masculine name, that gives me two things as a Christian right away. One, God has given me an opportunity to, at some point, interject Jesus in our relationship. I already know that. And I should already know that with every other conversation. But for some reason, our brains, we don't think that way. But the point is that, like, this is another person in front of me that at least I know, like kind of how this relationship is probably going to go. And two, oftentimes, it takes a really long time to figure out, like, God, why is this person in my life? Like, what, what, why am I here now? Why have you put me here? And lots of times it's really hard to figure that out. And in some of these instances, especially with people, I mean, I'm completely different thing, but just to get kind of give you a correlation, there's people that I've interacted with that like my first meeting with them is pretty obvious that they're an alcoholic. So automatically I know, okay, this is how I can pray for them. This is how this, like this relationship, I might have an opportunity later to talk to them about Jesus based upon kind of this. And I think if we thought about that a little bit more, like I think we'd be a whole lot more kingdom-minded, but we don't think like that. I mean, it was pivotal when somebody told me that. Every person you meet, God has put in your path for some reason. What is that? Figure it out. So in that regard, yeah, I'm going to call you Jake. I'm going to call you Jake all day. I'm going to call you Jake until you tell me not to call you Jake. Long story short, I guess I could have just said yes.
0: (laughs) Somebody said maybe from a pastoral standpoint, pronouns, should be a time and place issue. Professionally from the pulpit, resist and leave it to one-on-ones for the pronouns, question mark. What do you think? Well, I mean,
1: I think, I'm assuming what he's saying is that if you're having a one-on-one conversation, that's when you're going to address it. And if you're at the pulpit, you're not going to talk about it. That's the kind of how I take that question. Is that how you take it?
0: Yeah, I think that's what he's trying to say. Uh, I do think this this conversation, by and large, is is subjective and... Uh, you have the people, like like as I mentioned before, that are more forceful. You have the people that you know might not be as expressive about this issue, but if, once you develop a relationship with them, they might share how important the you know their their identity, their gender identity is to them. So I think yeah, it's it's definitely something that should be handled with with kitty gloves. I think that needs to be really handled in a way that's like self aware of the fact. That, like I said, as Christians, we have to, there's a lot of presuppositions we need to, as Christians, acknowledge when we're addressing this people group. Because, as I mentioned, we have been, and you've affirmed this as well, we have, as Christians, been devastatingly disrespectful to the LGBTQ community. Not only that, I think churches have done a poor job of discipling their members on how to respectfully interact with this uh, community, even though we may disagree with. The way that they identify themselves, or the way that they live, and you have to also understand that the other presupposition we should we need to bring into the conversation we have with this people group is the fact that there's, by and large, you know, the the trauma that we've inflicted, the trauma that they have brought in from other people, and also their own tension of their own of their gender dysphoria and societal issues that might have been brought into there as well. There's a lot of hurt. In that community. I I think for us to have softer hearts to this community and for us to be graceful and merciful to this community, I think we would be doing a great deal to that community and for the kingdom of God if we would stop making big deals out of things that aren't necessarily big deals, in, in my opinion. I think that,
1: I mean, obviously you're going to address it with people as it comes up in conversation. From the pulpit, I mean, you're going to cover it when it comes up. I mean, there's going to be, if you're preaching through text, there's going to be texts that come up on sexual immorality. There's going to be texts that come up on male and female. I mean, you're going to have to, this conversation that we're having is because it's a topic right now. So if I'm preaching on it, it's going to come up. So the same way you would treat, for example, uh, adultery in the church, right? So my hope would be that if somebody commits adultery in the church, that you are confronting that you are addressing that biblically, that you are calling those people to repentance, that you're working toward restoration. same thing with gossip, that you address it, that there is repentance sought after it, that you are seeking for restoration. Same thing with sexual immorality, which is a junk tour term that I think I would fit this into, that you are addressing it, you are seeking for repentance, you are going for restoration. Now again, I think what you've said has been helpful in regards to I think there's a lot more baggage that is on this topic because of how the culture handles it with an identity issue. I don't, I, I would say this, like, yes, the church has a burden to bear with this in regards to how we've dealt with it. That does not alleviate the reality that the culture has put a stake down in this and has made it a, an identity thing, an identity that is in contention with the identity we have in Christ. So the church has a burden to bear on this. By no means is the church's entire burden to bear. Um, We do need to repent and work toward a better way of handling this, as far as how how we interact with people that struggle with this. But we also have to address that the culture in the past has made a big thing about uh, fornication and sex before marriage. I mean, that was a thing before. It would be, I think, similar as far as you know, being kind of where they put their flag down. And so make, let me make a clarification: if you declare yourself to be a believer in Christ and struggle uh, with this or, or identify in this manner, I would I would address you as I would a brother or sister that's caught in adultery or gossip or theft. And hopefully that makes sense. Like I'm going to approach you as a brother or sister, saying I'm going to call you toward repentance. I'm going to call you toward like a, the better thing that Christ has for you, just as I would the person caught in adultery or lying or gossip or theft and call you back to a better relationship with Jesus, um, an identity found in him, not in this. Now, if it's somebody outside the church, I'm going to just tell you about Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and his atonement for your sins. We can deal with everything else later. Let's get yeah. that nailed down first. So, I mean, those are two different people I'm interacting with. There are different ways we address that. But if you, if you say you're a believer in Christ, I'm going to take you at your word and say you're a brother or sister, and I'm going to call you toward repentance and an identity in Christ and not in your sexuality.
0: Um, could you, Michael, just take two minutes to answer the pinned comment? The question is, how do you, as a Christian, basically, how do you witness to gay or trans people? What's the best way to do that? Here's my thing i
1: I can't get into it a whole lot to be honest with you, but so i'm gonna, I'm gonna be incredibly vague here. There are people that I desperately love in my life that fit in those categories. I want to be the biggest mirror to them of Jesus that I can be. And in doing that, I'm going to have to tell them some very difficult truths that could possibly Make them not want to be in a relationship with me anymore, and that kills me to think about. Mm. But that's the reality. I I can't let them think that that's that's the best for them because it's not. But I'm gonna love them, and I'm gonna be there for them, and I'm gonna take a bullet for them, and I'm gonna I am going to do everything I can for them to show them the love of Christ, and then I'm gonna put the ball in their court. Like, I've told you about his life, death, resurrection. I've told you there's something better for you, and I'm going to be here for you. I can't bring you over here. Um, that's that's you. You you have to make that call. But up until my last breath, you better believe that I'm going to be right here with you, doing everything I can within my conscious that allows me to do so, to, to be like, I, I am here for you, and If anybody says anything bad about you, you better believe I'm punching them in the throat. If anybody tries to hurt you, you better believe I'm I am here for you. (laughs) But I'm also not gonna say this is this is okay. I'm not, I mean, and my my hope in doing that, and who knows, I don't know, I don't know where it'll go, but my hope is that you seen that I love you enough, that that I truly love you, that um that hopefully that's the That's the love that leads you to repentance. That's
0: my hope. Awesome. So I guess the way I would answer that is pretty similar to how Michael's answered it. Definitely you want to love that person and I think show extra love to them because of all the things that I mentioned earlier. There's already a lot of baggage that this person is carrying. Societal baggage, emotional baggage, Christian hurt and Christian wounds. So me being a Christian is automatically... Offensive to them, and I understand the gospel is offensive. But I, I feel in as best as I can, I want to avoid being offensive and make the gospel attractive, and be known for my love towards them. And I have a lot of um, trans friends. Not I shouldn't say a lot. I have have friends who are trans. I have friends who are gay and, and bisexual, and I feel I've learned a lot from them, and I've learned the hurt and the hate that they've experienced. And it's created in me a softer heart for them. And they know I don't affirm their lifestyle and what they believe. However, they also know more than that, more importantly than my, my beliefs, what's more important in in my relationship with them is my relationship with them and not my own beliefs. I think as Christians, I'd much rather be cheated. I'd much rather be hurt than be right. You know what I mean? I can be right in my own stance, and my own... Relationship with God, and 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 my own convictions, but my convictions do not need to be someone else's convictions. I don't need to force and and try to yank someone into my camp, because that's not my responsibility. At the end of the day, salvation belongs to God Himself, and as a Calvinist, I certainly believe that. <laughs> and I think that person's salvation rests in God's hands. So who am I to try, you know, and, and turn somebody into an experiment and, and try and yank them to my side. I've, I absolutely want to be persuasive, but I don't want that person to feel like my experiment so that I have to win them over to what I believe. What's more important to me is that they know I love them and that is it. Not, not, hey, I love you, but it's I love you and that is it. This is what I believe and that doesn't really matter. What matters to me is you. And that's how. that's how I like to approach my witness to so we have like two seconds left i'm gonna go ahead and wrap it up bro i i love you i really appreciate you taking the time out to do this with me i know you're super busy uh family man and i i, I love you because we can have these conversations and still keep it keep it running <laughs> we could have these conversations but i think like i always say i think we agree more than than you think we do <laughs> but all right man i'm gonna go ahead and uh, call it quits Guys, go ahead and follow Honest Youth Pastor. He starts amazing discussions. He's the reason that we're having this discussion right now. I love this guy very much. You know, we don't always agree, but we agree on a lot. And I think he's a a solid guy. So go ahead and give him a follow if you haven't done that already. God bless y'all. Take care. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I really, like I said, I really love Michael and his contribution uh, to this discussion I didn't want this to be something about who's right and who's wrong. I can totally be wrong about my position. And I know Michael would say the exact same thing. Uh, we're both willing to learn from each other and search scripture to see how we can best love uh, this world for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of Christ. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode and this series that I'm doing. Next week, I'm going to be posting the interview that I did with Grace Baldridge, And then after that, I'm going to do a solo episode based off your feedback. So please email me at podcast at and I will read every single one of them. I would love to hear from you and I'd love to respond to as many of them as I possibly can. So please do that. If you want more discussions like this and you want to have early access to them, please consider becoming a supporter of this podcast and of what we do on Memes for Jesus. So you can do that for as little as $2 a month. Uh, by becoming a spongebob anchovy supporter on our supercast which is basically like a patreon and this will like i said enable us to do everything I've, i've mentioned and more and you'll also get goodies and special access to exclusive content so what are you waiting for become a supporter today click the link in the description of this episode and you will get access to our supercast all right, that's my shameless plug. I hope you guys will join us next week as I interview Grace Baldridge on how to talk to people within the LGBTQ community. I'll see you next Monday.